All right, all you sinners out there, we are getting ready to talk about, you guessed it, sin. Sin. And I don't think any of us probably fully get how much in our lives and in our world we have sin as a context for how we relate to the world and life and each other and stuff. I mean, it's just all around us. And maybe this will help you kind of clue into it. Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. Even let's take non-religious people. I've heard non-religious people, people who wouldn't consider themselves very religious. They don't go to church. Uh, they certainly wouldn't consider themselves Christians. And maybe that's, that's some of you. And this is the first time you're here joining us. We're so glad you're here. And you would know what this is like. I mean, even, even people who are non-religious, I've heard them when they said something that they're pretty sure they shouldn't have said or they did something that they're pretty sure that they shouldn't have done, almost make it a point of joking and triviality and say something like, yeah, I'm probably going to go to hell for that. Yeah, I know I'm going to go to hell for that kind of thing. And it's almost like a joking thing. And you're like, non-religious nothing. I said that this morning. Um, right, okay. Um, you know what I'm talking about. It's just kind of like, wow, that's, that's one way to look at it. It's, it's a context for how you process life and, and the right and the wrong and the good and the bad and all that kind of stuff. And people assume church is all about sin and sinners and all that kind of stuff. And even Christians, even Christians get to a point to where they, they kind of see life and, and the Christian life, and maybe this describes some of you, as basically sin avoidance, a journey in trying not to screw up, a journey in maybe sin management. Because we wrestle with this question constantly. Is this a sin? Is this a sin? Is that a sin? Is this a sin? Should I? Well, no. Is that a sin? I don't know. Is that a sin? Well, I don't want to sin. Is that a sin? I can't tell you as a pastor how many conversations I have that start with this. Hey, pastor, I got a question. Is this a sin? Right. Like people want me to like kind of draw a line for them. So Right. You would think, I would think, I assume, you just you know, want to avoid it. But you know, often what it is, is like, it's, I just need to know where the line is so I can know how close I can get to it. You know, like going over. Right? Hey, pastor, is that, that's not a sin, is it? I hope not. I'm probably going to hell for that. Right? I mean, is it just that whole thing? And like from one side to the other, I mean, is, is life just about trying not to mess up? Is that what the Christian life has come to? Have, have we boiled it down to just, I'm just trying not to, to sin? Hmm, that would be a good thing to not want to do, but there's just got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way, better way to approach all of this, and that's why we're doing this series called Nobody's Perfect. Now, and maybe you say this, and I've heard other people say this, and typically when someone says, hey, nobody's perfect, they're typically coming from one or two extremes. And there are extremes in this. Extreme number one is the whole idea that sin's no big deal. Nobody's perfect. Come on, lighten up. Nobody's perfect. I mean, after all, nobody's perfect. Everybody does it. Everybody says it. This is the way life is. This is the way everybody lives. This is the way everybody thinks. This is just, just this is the way it is. Uh, anybody else have the experience that that kind of thinking and rationale never worked with mom? You know, everybody else, I mean, my mom, that's just the way it is. All the guys, you know, all the, all the kids, I mean, that's just all of I mean, And besides, the devil made me do it. Anyway, be mad at the devil. Don't be mad at me. I mean, like, I never worked with mom. My mom saw right through that. But that's one extreme. Like, it's no big deal. Really, chill out. Nobody's perfect. Now, the opposite extreme are people who kind of see sin as just the human condition, the condition. 
condemnation of the human condition. Everybody's sinners, and that's just what it's all about. Everybody's a sinner, and everybody sins, and that's all we ever do. It's just life is a journey of just sinning. And, and, And you're a sinner, and I'm a sinner, and boy, that's a sin, and that's a sin, and that's a sin, and you're a sinner, and they're a sinner, and everybody's a sinner. Here's a sinner, there's a sinner, everywhere a sinner, sinner. Right. Okay, and, and, and you laugh, because, but there are some of you sitting here and watching online. That's kind of your mindset, too. And all of us kind of lean to one of these extremes. And I, I believe, I really believe, that a healthy understanding of sin is somewhere in the middle of these two extremes, as is the case with most things. Somewhere in the middle of, well, it's no big deal, or no, man, that's just what it's all about. And I, I hope in this series we find that healthy understanding together. And my goal in the next uh, few weeks as we do this series together, at the end of it, my goal is that, number one, we take sin, I take sin, you take sin a whole lot more seriously than we probably perhaps do. And at the same time, at the same time, we learn to live with a whole lot more grace with ourselves and with each other. Now, get that. No, those seems to be opposite things, but, but, but we can. We can learn to take sin a whole lot more seriously and live with a whole lot more grace. Do you guys know the board game Taboo? Right? It's a great game. I don't know if you ever played it with friends or your family. If you don't know anything about the game Taboo, you should find that game somewhere, buy it, and it's just a lot of fun. It's real stressful, but, but that's what makes, you know, games fun, right? It's how stressful they are. I don't know why that is, but, you know, the more stressful, oh, it's just unnerving, and we love it. Oh, it's so funny. Taboo, let me describe it to you. You have two teams, right? And, and your team, the team you're on, when it's your turn for your team, you have a card with a word on it that you're trying to get your teammates to say. And you're describing this word to them, But also on this card, underneath the word you're trying to get your teammates to say, are a list of other words that you can't say while you're describing the word you want them to say. For instance, let's say I draw the card and the word that I'm trying to get my teammates to say is rain. Rain. But underneath are words that I can't say in describing rain to them. I can't say wet. I can't say water. I can't say cloud. I can't say sky. Uh Uh-oh, that's going to be challenging. Now, there's that part. Meanwhile, from the other team, there is a designated member of the opposite team looking over your shoulder the whole time at the card, waiting for you to say one of the forbidden words. And the moment you say one of those words, you get buzzed and you lose the point. It's it's nerve-wracking and it's so much fun at the same time. Taboo. Here's what's interesting. A lot of people, and I believe probably a lot of you, a lot of us, we're in this together, see God as that person on the opposite team that's constantly looking over your shoulder just to make sure you don't say what you're not supposed to say or do what you're not supposed to do. And as soon as you do, God buzzes you. Yeah, a lot of people think God is like the cosmic sin police. Right? And some of you, I mean, like from the time you get up in the morning to the time you go to bed, that's just what you hear in your head. You're like one long buzz all day long, right? And a lot of people think that's what God does. He's sitting up there in heaven. He's going, ah, 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 ah. 
Ah, oh, oh, you sinners. Now we laugh because this is kind of funny. And he's got all these helpers too, right? Which makes it worse. He's got other Christians who are like sin deputies. And they're constantly pointing out, oh God, oh God, they did this. Oh God, they did that. You're sin. That's a sin. You can't do that. That's a sin. You can't. And it's like that just, oh, just gets so much worse. The sad thing is, is that first of all, God's not on the opposite team. God does not exist to buzz you. And the reality is there is a much, much better way to understand what sin is and what it is not. So much more than just right and wrong. Now, right and wrong is important, but there's a better way to understand it that helps us get to the heart of right and wrong. And what we're talking about is what makes sin a sin to start with. Let me begin with a technical definition. Technical, spiritual, biblical, scriptural definition. As Paul describes sin in Romans chapter 3, verse 23 in the New Testament, in the first century, he says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The word all is very important because that means all. That's what all means. Even, even in the Greek, it means all. And, and that means every single one of us. All of us fall short. There's your technical definition. To fall short of the glory of God. Or another way to say it is to miss the mark. To miss the mark. When you and I miss the mark, we fall short of the glory of God. What is that? What is the glory of God? The glory of God. The standard. He's basically talking about Jesus, who just happens to be perfect. And you're not and I'm not, and we constantly miss the mark. We constantly fall short of the standard of Jesus' perfection. So if you're not perfect, you fall in the category of a sinner. And you constantly and consistently miss the mark. Now, the deal is, is that this verse basically just states the obvious. This is a very technical definition that just kind of states the obvious. It says, I'm a sinner because I missed the mark, and you're a sinner because you missed the mark. And just essentially what it's saying is that it's only a matter of time we're all going to get buzzed. Oh, wait, that didn't come off the way I thought. Okay, forget that last part. <laughs> Some of you are like, no, this is my kind of church. Okay, whoa, you sinner. All right. Let's talk about on a more practical, personal level, sin. When we're considering sin, we often begin with this question. Is it wrong? Is it wrong? Is it wrong for me to do that? Is it wrong for me to go there? Is it wrong for me to say that? Is it wrong for me to believe this? Is it wrong for me to respond like this? Is it wrong for me to, to live this way? Is it wrong? Is it wrong? Now, listen, that's a very normal question. It's a very natural starting point, but it's not the best question. Here's why. Where's the line? Where's the line of wrong? Where is it, right? Have you ever noticed that different people put the line in different places? Have you ever noticed? What is wrong to someone is not all that wrong to another person. And that's confusing. I think that's wrong. Well, I think it's just fine. Who decides? Where's the line and who decides what is wrong? Well, we 
You know, we're in church. So we would all say, okay, well, if Jesus is the standard, if Jesus is the glory of God, then Jesus decides. Jesus would be the deciding factor of where the line is, and I would 100% agree. But here's the challenge. Often, it's very hard for us to understand what Jesus knows, and we don't know. And what Jesus sees, we don't see. And to see things at the same level of Jesus. So it's really hard. It's really hard sometimes to, to answer the question, is it wrong. Now, some things are really easy because Jesus was very, very clear. Things like hate, we know that's wrong. You want to avoid that. Uh, things like violence, oh, that's, that's a no-brainer, right? You don't mistreat people. Some things are easy, but there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff, more stuff than I'm comfortable with or you're comfortable with, where it's a little fuzzy. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Some people say that's wrong. Other people say that's okay. And it changes from culture to culture. Have you ever realized that? I don't know how much of you've traveled the world, and I'm not a big world traveler, but I've been around in third world countries especially enough to know that there are some things we do here in America that are, are just fine. It's just the way, but you do this, and you say this, and you do this hand gesture or whatever, or this, this society norm that's normal here. You do it there, and, and you've just offended people, and people are upset, and people are going to come after you. It's just like... What is that? Sometimes the line is different places culturally. Sometimes it's different places personally. And often it's very hard to know. There's a lot of things Jesus didn't say anything about. Right? I mean, it's ancient literature we're talking about here. The Word of God, the inspired Word of God is ancient literature. There's nothing about the Internet, smartphones, social media, nothing like that. We get no help, really, when it comes to the directives of how to do social media and all that, it's like, you know, Instagram's a good thing, Twitter, nah, be careful, you know, Facebook, woo, you know. No, we, we just never know. Like, you're allowed two comments a day, and, you know, as long as you, you know, hashtag everything with blessed, you're good, you can say anything. You know, we don't, we don't know the rules. Like, what? And there's a whole lot more, and, I'm, and this is going to upset some of you, and, and it can be upsetting and frustrating, but it's the truth. There's a whole lot more gray than anyone ever told us about. There's a whole lot more gray than often I'm comfortable with and you're comfortable with. So it makes it challenging to try to answer this question. Is it wrong? Not everything's black and white. Not everything's just right and wrong. There, there's this, this, this middle area. So here's a better question. The better question, and, I, and, I, and I'll show you. It's not just, is it wrong? But what is God's best? Here's why this is a better question. This is a better question because it actually answers why something that is wrong is wrong to begin with. Why is it wrong? Well, it's wrong because it's not God's best. You have left God's best. You have ignored God's best in whatever area of life, and that's why that is wrong. It gets to the heart of what is right and wrong. It's not just about trying to avoid crossing the line. See, we get so concerned with where's the line, where's the line, where's the line, and, and, you know, on the good side, we don't want to cross it. On the, on the, you know, the frustrating, sinful side is we just want to see how close we can get to it. Maybe I can just throw stuff over the line. Maybe I can just yell over the line and, without crossing the line. So it's just, just, instead, what is God's best for me in every area of life? What is God's best what is God's best? Not what is easiest, not what is most convenient, because what God's best is, listen very carefully, what God's best for you and me is often not easiest and often not the most convenient, but still best. God's best. What is God's best? Not what is most popular, what does culture say, 
What is God's best? That's often very countercultural, actually. What is God's best? Not what everybody else thinks I should do. Not what I feel I should do. Never have we lived in more of a day and time where people are encouraged to go with their feelings. Nothing more than feelings. Feelings. Feelings are important. Feelings are real. Feelings are meant to be felt. But feelings are an unreliable guide for your life. Every time, remember that. You cannot trust your feelings all the time. Yeah, just go with what you feel. Just go with your gut. Ah. No, no. Prophet Jeremiah says you can't trust your gut because the human gut, the human heart, deceives itself. Deceives itself. And, and actually, there's evil and wickedness in our gut. In our heart. Inside of us. And we'll see that in just a minute. But when you get to this idea about, you know, what is best, it doesn't mean just go with your feelings. And it doesn't mean do what comes natural. You don't want to do what comes natural because sometimes what comes natural is to choke them. That comes natural and that's what you feel. That's not God's best. It's not God's best. Sometimes what comes natural, you've had a long day, you sit down in front of one dozen hot now Krispy Kreme donuts and they're all for you, and you eat all 12. That, that feels natural. Not, not God's best. And we, we, laugh at, we laugh at that. And, you know, it's like, I didn't know that was possible. Yeah. Yeah, I was in college once. I did stupid stuff. Not what you feel is natural, but what is God's best in every area of life? Imagine how your relationships would be different, how your marriage would be different, how your friendships would be different, how your parenting would be adjusted, how, your, how you relate to your friends and your neighbors. If every relationship you're in, you thought, okay, what is God's best? How is, what is God's best for me and how I respond to them right now? I know what I feel. I know what naturally I want to say and want to do. I mean, I'm ready. I'm ready to go to the mat on this. But what is God's best in this situation? What is God's best? What is God's best for my body? I know what I want to do. I know what I don't want to do. But what is God's best for my physical health? What is God's best at work for my job and my career? I mean, I know what I want to do. I know what people are telling me I should do. But what is God's best? What is God's best for me financially? I know how I want to spend. I know what I want to buy. I know what I want to do. But what is God's best? You see, when you start asking the question, what is God's best, and move into the direction of what God's best is, it, it takes care of the wrong problem. It takes care of the right and wrong problem. Is this wrong? Is this a sin? Because that just kind of takes care of itself as you move into and embrace what's God's best, or another word for it, God's will. In the first century, Jesus' brother James wrote to a group of Christians in that very, that very first group of Christians, he wrote a letter to them. And in this letter, he talked about sin and he, and he wanted to help them understand how sin works and where it comes from. And, and th this is what he says. This is very fat, just fascinating to me. In James chapter one, he describes it like this. He says, temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. Notice a couple things there. Temptation comes from within our own desires, right? Our own desires. That's why you look at that precious little two-year-old, three-year-old and go, what? What's got into them? Like, who taught them? Nobody. It's in there. 
It's just in there. Oh, your daddy. Oh, your mama. Now, sure, they, they do what they see a lot of times, but a lot of times it's just in there. It's just, right, the devil inside. In there. It comes from within. That's why this whole thing of the devil made me do it doesn't hold water. And, that, and that's why, look what you made me do. Look what you made me do. Look what you made me do. Look what they, they made me do this. No, 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 no. That just doesn't hold water because it comes from within and it drags us away. What's in here drags us away. This graphic, isn't it? I mean, you picture yourself being drug away from what? God's best. When you get drug away from God's best, and, and it's something we do for ourselves, we do to ourselves. Then he goes on, and he, and he kind of shows how this plays out. These desires that are within us that drag us away from God's best, they give birth to sinful actions. That's graphic, isn't it? They give birth to sinful actions. And then when, when those sinful actions grow up, when they mature, and they go unchecked, and you kind of let them take their course, it gives birth to death. This word death here doesn't just mean, although it does include, it does not just mean physical death. It means when sin is allowed to go unchecked, when you leave God's best and you don't, and you don't come back to God's best, stuff starts dying. Stuff starts dying. Relationships, marriages, families start dying. Dreams and hopes and careers and finances. And you fill in the blank. It starts dying. And even our physical bodies, it'll, it'll kill you. It brings death. Other translations have put it like this. When sin is finished with you, it brings forth death. That is a big deal. So we, we could summarize it with this definition, that sin is when I ignore and when you ignore God's best for my life. When I say, yeah, I see that, but I'm going to do something else. Yeah, I know that, but I'm going to ignore that. Yeah, I know what I should say, but I'm going to do what I feel like saying. Yeah, I know I should do that, but I'll get to that later. Maybe, you know, after college or maybe, you know, after kids or maybe after this one deal. I, I know, I know I shouldn't, but after this deal, after this business deal, I'll get back to doing it a more ethical way. When, when we say, oh, I know, I know, I know, but I'm, I'm going to do, I'm going to do really what I want to do, what they say do, what I feel like doing. When we ignore God's best, that, that's, that's sin. It, it really is that simple. Here's the second layer. And, and what makes it sin is that it hurts. It hurts me. And it hurts others. And it hurts my relationship with God. That's why it's not best. God doesn't want you to be hurt. God doesn't want you to hurt yourself. And hurt others and hurt your relationship with him. And here's what's fascinating. What's fascinating to me is how often I hear people say, and we say it, Pastor, I ain't hurting anybody. I don't know what the big deal is. I'm not hurting anybody with this. I don't understand. I'm not hurting anybody. This is just what I want to do. It's who I am. It's what I feel. It's what others tell me. It's what I just, I'm just going this way with my life, and I ain't hurting anybody. It's nobody else's business, plus I ain't hurting anybody. Well, here's the deal, man. Let me be honest with you. Just because you don't see the hurt doesn't mean it ain't there. Just because it hasn't surfaced yet doesn't mean it's not happening. Just because you don't think you're hurting Anything or anyone doesn't mean you're not. And when you leave God's best, stuff starts dying. That hurts. You hurt yourself. You hurt your relationships. You hurt your, your direction in life. And it's just when you leave God's best, 
with thinking and attitudes and choices, you will hurt yourself. And you will hurt other people. Bring pain to them. I'm not hurting anybody. You have no idea how your life affects others. And the choices that you're making now that you think is just about you down the road will reach out and affect other people. And they will one day pay for the decisions you make today. And it hurts our relationship with God. There's so many things that God wants to do. And I'm not saying it hurts God's feelings kind of thing, but it's not, God's not like um, emotionally on edge to where, you know, like if, if you and I leave his best, you know, God just falls apart kind of thing. No, 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 no. God, God's fully aware of what's going on here, but it hurts his purposes. There's certain things God wants to do in your life and God wants to do in my life that when we leave his best for us, we miss out on. We forfeit. God's like, I want to bless you, and I want to help you, and I want to do this in your life. But you keep doing, you keep self-sabotaging and leaving my best for you and ignoring my best for you. That's what we're talking about here. Let me put this up on the screen because I think this may be another way to kind of summarize the whole thing. When you think about sin, I'm going to cover up this one part. You often think, you know, don't do wrong. I don't want to do wrong. And, And that's not a bad thing to think. It's just not the best thing to think. We'll get to the best in a minute. But when you think, I don't want to do wrong, you're focused on rules, right? Rules. I don't want to do that. I want to break that rule. I don't want to break that rule. And rules are real. Rules are real. Rules have a, you know, there's a lot. I don't like rules any more than you do. But some of you are like, no, I love rules. I get it. You're our favorite too. We love people who love rules. Um, That's just part of it. And sometimes we get focused on the hurt. Yeah, I, I don't want to break the rule because I don't want to hurt myself. I don't want to hurt others. And that's great. That's great. And, and I don't want to be judged. And judgment, that's real. That, this is real. All of these things are true. Okay? This is a part of sin. Is not doing wrong, not breaking the rule, not bringing hurt, not allowing yourself to fall into judgment because of your, you know, leaving God's best. And all of that is true. But here's, here's better. Okay? Is to think about God's best to pursue God's best. And so instead of just trying to not break the rules, I'm choosing what is wise. I'm choosing to be wise. And here's the deal. When you make the wise choice, you don't break the rules. Ultimately, you choose the wise thing, it's kind of gets you out of the, the, the category of doing what's wrong because you're doing what is wise because what is wise is good. Doing what is wise. And I'm choosing the loving choice. I'm choosing the loving thing. I'm not just thinking about, I just don't want to hurt them. I don't want to hurt them. I don't want to hurt them. Instead, I'm choosing to think, how can I love them? How can I love them? How can I choose the way of love? Because when you're loving, you're not hurting, right? When you're loving people, you're not hurting them. When you're hurting them, you're not loving them. So you see the difference? This is kind of defensive. I'm trying not to screw up. I'm trying not to mess up because I don't want to be judged. That's certainly a part of it. But it's so much better to say, but instead, I'm going to live on the offensive and I want to choose God's best. And I want to do the right, the wise thing, which is always the right thing. And, and I want to choose the way of love and treat people lovingly and choose the way of blessing. I want to be a blessing to people and bring blessing to people and be blessed. Do you see the difference? This is so much better than just this defensive way of, I just don't want to do wrong. I don't want to do wrong. I don't want to do wrong. Well, you know what? Don't doing wrong, not doing wrong kind of takes care of itself when you choose God's best. You just choose God's best. So as we go through this series and we talk about sin, think, 
God's best, God's best. What is God's best? What is God's best? What is God's best? And when I leave God's best, that's when sin begins to kill things. Things die. Things begin to decay in our lives. Now, another huge thing here, and, and I'm, what I'm going to do in the last few minutes is kind of set us up for next week, is that when you understand sin as dealing with God's best and leaving God's best and ignoring God's best, when you understand it more like that and you realize that God is not this cosmic sin police looking over your shoulder just waiting for you to screw up, then it changes the way you see God. It helps you more accurately see God for who he really is. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. But in order to help us get ready for what we're going to talk about next week, I want to take you one more place. I want to ask you to consider something. I want to take you back to the very first sin. The very first sin. The first time that human beings left and ignored God's best for them. All the way back in the Garden of Eden, all the way back to the beginning, Adam and Eve, and even if you're not much of a church-going person, you probably are somewhat familiar with that, that, that story and how it all came about. But just for a quick refresher, God filled the Garden of Eden with all these just tons and tons of beautiful trees and plants to eat from. And he said, you can eat from any tree you want. It's all yours. You can have all of it except one tree in the very middle. It's mine. Don't eat from this one. You, you know how that went, right? The serpent comes. The presence of evil comes. And it's like, yeah, that's probably the best tree. That tree is always like hot now, ready. I mean, it's just, it's just there. It's probably the best. It's probably, it's neon signs and God's holding out on you. God's holding out on you. And, and they bought it. They bought it. They totally gave in. And Adam ate and Eve ate and they left God's best. They didn't realize that's what they were doing in the time. Neither do we often realize. They left God's best. Sin number one in the world. It's a big deal. The very next day, um, they were beginning to realize what they had done, and they went into hiding. And God came looking for them, and they were hiding. Get that. Did anybody else find that funny? Hiding from God. Oh, let's go over here. He'll never find us here. <laughs> They're hiding from God. And, and we're told that God comes looking for them, and God asks them two questions. Where are you? what have you done? Where are you? What have you done? First of all, please know this. God knew exactly where they were. And God knew exactly what they had done. He wasn't asking because he didn't know. He was asking because he wanted them to know. He wanted them to consider where they were in relationship to where they should be. And, and, and really what they had chosen to do Instead of embracing God's best, he wanted them to consider it. So let's get that straight, number one. And number two, and here sets us up for next week. I want to ask you to consider this. How do you hear God's voice? How do you hear God's voice in this moment? How do you hear God saying this? What does God's voice sound like when you hear the words, where are you and what have you done? Is it an angry voice? Do you hear God stomping through the garden, Adam? 
what have you done? Right? Real, maybe, maybe for the first time ever, you're like, yeah, yeah, I, I kind of do. Like God's ticked now. I did too for many, 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 many years. Psychologically speaking, we hear the voice of God with the same and similar voices, at least similar voices, if not the same voice, we hear the voice of our parents, our own moms and dads. That's why this is so important, right? And sometimes we have to unlearn because to us, they are, they are God to us. They are like, they're in the God position for us when we are in our most formative years. And we assume that God's like mom, God's like dad. Adam, Eve, you hear that anger? You hear that? Maybe that's what you just think. That God looks at you as a sinner and all of your sin, and he's just so ticked at you. He is so mad at you. And you're constantly just, just like you're hiding, and you're just like the cowardly lion on the Wizard of Oz, you know, and here comes God, and you're just shaking. Is that how you hear the voice of God? Or, 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 how about this? Or do you hear the voice of God? Like I believe we're going to discover next week, his voice is much more like. The voice of a loving heavenly father, full of grace and compassion. What if God's voice sounds a whole lot more like, hey guys, where are you? Can we talk? I, I, I want to have a conversation. What, 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 what have you guys done here? What, what's going on here? Guys, I'd, 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 love to, I'd love for us to sit down and talk about this together. See the difference? Do you see the difference? I mean, there's still stuff to deal with. There's still sin, still leaving God's best. There's still maybe moments of judgment that have to be dealt with and, and, and consequences and all of that. But the voice of God, how do you hear it? Let me tell you, just as a hint, if you want to hear the voice of God, listen to the voice of Jesus and as we will see next week, God sounds a whole lot more compassionate than we ever dreamed. He's not all this. He is that loving heavenly father that wants you and I to choose his best for us. But we'll talk about more of that next week. Let's pray. Dear Father, Thank you. I, I need this. I, I need this reminder. We, we all need this. My, I know my friends do. We, we're all in, the same, all in the same boat here. We fall short. We miss the mark. And, and we've all done what Adam and Eve did. We, we leave your best. We ignore your best. We do our own thing, our own way. We believe a lie. We buy into the deception. And we deceive ourselves. We fool ourselves. We self-sabotage. We get drug away. It creates a mess, and we hurt ourselves, and we hurt others, and we even hurt our relationship with you. And so we're there. God, may we open our minds and open our eyes to understand your best is your will. And we can look to Jesus as the example of what your best looks like. But this can be challenging for us. So, God, we, we need we need your help. And as we go through the next few weeks, may we hear your voice as it truly is. And I believe, as we will see, it is not one of anger, that you're ticked and you're just mad, but you are instead a loving father 
which is a very strange thing for a lot of us human beings who didn't have that, who is so full of compassion and just wants what is best for us, and you want to help us choose it. Father, as we deal with sin, help us to pursue your best, and then let the rest fall into place. In Jesus' name, amen.